0: guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Jennifer Ruskin, and today's conversation is a juicy one. So let me preface this by saying way back at the beginning of time, Over the millions of years that we have been humans, we have seen different kinds of relationships emerge, different kinds of societies take place. We're currently in a very patriarchal society that considers relationships to be ownership and property and, you know, that sort of thing. And years and years and years ago, like let's say hundreds of thousands of years ago, maybe thousands Maybe that's too far back. Uh, Women ran societies. We also found tribes where uh, multiple men would work to impregnate a woman. And in doing so, we were raised by the whole culture. We were raised in community. And so today's topic of conversation is about open relationships, what living in an open relationship might look like, what different types of open relationships there are, and today I have my bestest friends, Tony Hatch and Christina Lopez. They are in partnership, engaged to each other, have had a long eight-year commitment in beautiful relationship together. And we're interviewing them today. Hey guys. Hi. Hello. So I think what might be a good place to start, Tony and Christina? who are currently lovingly putting their heads together and (laughs) smiling like dorks because they're so cute. Um, Why don't you guys help us define what types of open relationships there are? I think a lot of us are confused about anything other than a monogamistic relationship. We're not even sure what's available. And so I think let's start there.
1: Okay. Um, I want to, yes, so I see this as four primary different buckets, Um, but I also want to be aware that there is many more possibilities and different ways of partnering um, that I'm still learning every day. Um, so I want to be just courteous that there's there is a lot of stuff out there that I'm just still not even aware of yet, um, but I'm learning every day. But I like to oversimplify and put it into four buckets, um, which is like your what most people recognize as partnership today. Your standard monogamous two people in a committed relationship, <clears throat> and then. I have come to kind of put things into buckets where we talk about open relationships, which is where um, you still have the standard two people in a relationship, but they can see other people. Uh, So that is what I've always considered as just like an open relationship. You're, you're not committed to your one person. Um, And then there is swingers, which is, I feel like is a bucket um, all to itself because <laughs> there's a lot of just agreements within, within swinging that is just means that you as a couple, you go and you make arrangements with other couples to just trade partners sexually. And it a lot of times is just for the sexual openness and it doesn't have a lot to do with any sort of meaningful relationships outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. Um, so when i when i use the term swinger that's what i'm referring to as far as it's really just about sex Mm -hmm. and other relationships and then my fourth bucket is polyamory which kind of encompasses many different ways to partner with multiple people Mm -hmm. in partnerships with meaning emotions physical mental everything that you can experience in the monogamous relationship between two people can be experienced between multiple Mm -hmm. it's and that's why I say I'm learning every day about all of the different types of polyamory because there is closed throuples where a, a couple brings in a third person and then and then they make arrangements to not see other people or there's just different types of polyamory where everybody's always dating other people. So it starts, I mean, when we start talking about gender and sexualities and preferences and it can get the, the time uh, the, the possibilities are endless within polyamory. So I, I, but to me, polyamory means an open physical relationship to other people and you can develop real feelings for other people. And that's kind of, to me, a very oversimplified, and I'm sure there are other people that are going to be <laughs> like, no, this is what I do, and it doesn't fit in any of those buckets, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But for me, polyamory is just open and with meaningful relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, do you have anything to add to that?
2: No, beautifully beautifully said, yeah, I aligned with all of that.
0: So one thing I wanted to mention, I think I'm the newest member of our little friendship circle to enter into an open relationship lifestyle. And I was surprised with the terminology. Mm. So... People, when you hear people say, I'm in the lifestyle, that's what that means. Mm -hmm. It means you're in an alternative lifestyle, which could encompass anything that Tony just said, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a lot. Um, One book too, that I wanted to mention here at the beginning, if this is of interest to you, check out Sex at Dawn. It's a great story. It's a great book about the beginning of time and how we were created as humans, what's innately part of us. And it does take on the approach that we are non-monogamistic, that we are creatures that want to have variety in a cafeteria of deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Um so just check that out if, if that's interesting to you. Tony and Chris, I don't know if you guys have any other books that you might want to mention here at the beginning that have helped you guys along the way.
1: <laughs> I do, but we will have to add that into the, the, notes. the notes because okay. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But okay. yes.
0: So I think this is then a great transition into what I think a lot of our listeners are going to be feeling is, man, this is really curious and interesting. I've noticed these tendencies inside of me to notice other sexes to notice other people um i wonder if i'm also poly or open um so maybe you could address that like how do you know if you're just lusting after some other human or how do you know that you really are poly
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, so I'll take that one first yeah. because okay, yes. just just for me it was um it was really eye-opening. I had grown up in the South with a lot of all of this stuff is to be kept behind closed doors. It's very unique. It's not the societal norm. Um so it always felt wrong and it always felt like the previous relationships I was in, where we were swingers or we were open, it was very much um, we made sure that our other partners were also discreet and work wouldn't find out about our alternate lifestyle. And then in comes Chris into my life, and um, I started developing real feelings uh, for Chris, and I still had feelings for my current partner. And it was really. That's when I really felt uncomfortable in my body because I wasn't aware of the potential of what it could be. And I had been struggling with this for, for months at this point. Um, and I was only aware of those first two buckets where I talked about open relationships and swinging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a relationship, a marriage, that was the, the only agreement is that we wouldn't be monogamous again. Um, cause we tried that and it failed mm-hmm. and I was, and we came back together and it's like, okay, here's the deal. We're good together, but we can't do monogamy. So, but we didn't have any agreements. So that's where all of the struggle was because we didn't know what we were comfortable with other than that. We just didn't want to be tied down to monogamy for the rest of our life. So, I'm struggling with this. I'm falling in love with Chris. I'm in a deep committed relationship with my wife. And I start seeing suggestions on Facebook of NWA polyamory. And I start learning like this new term that just was like social media put in front of me as I'm struggling with this. And so I learned what the term polyamory means. And to me, again, it was explained to me just how I explained it. It's like, it's okay to also not only have physical relationships with other people, but you can also fall in love with more than one person. And it's actually not a sin. Mm-hmm. And that just everything inside of me lit up. And I was like, that's me. Like that makes me feel okay about how I feel. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say is that as you start learning about what all is available and you start reading through these things and it's like, maybe, maybe you are wired to be ethically non-monogamous. Maybe you're not. I mean, we know people that are just like, you're my person and I can only worship you for the rest of my life. I don't even see other people. It's rare. It's super rare, but it exists. Um, And, you know, that's that's beautiful if that's what fills people's cups. But I really encourage everybody to just take a moment and read these books and learn about what's out there, and you'll feel it in your gut of what it is that you – what resonates with you.
0: Mm -hmm. Chris, do you have anything to add to that? Mm -hmm. So
2: my story is a lot different than that. Um, I was also in a committed relationship when we met. Uh, We met at work, so that was also a (laughs) no-no. Definitely not forbidden love. Yes. Um, So I was committed. Um, We bought a house, built a house. Um, I was raised Catholic, and I'm Mexican, so it's very much traditional. Um, And at that point, I thought I was happy. Um, I didn't. Wasn't missing anything as far as I knew, and everything was peachy. Uh, But then I met Tony, and I was like, oh, this is, I'm definitely not happy. Like, there is so much more to this world than having babies and getting married. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was kind of eye-opening in, as far as, like, also learning what polyamory was, but, like, life. Like, I learned about how much more life can give you than just what we are told we should have. <clears throat> so that was kind of yeah. kind of how I came into it. Um, I fell like deeply in love with Tony and that was kind of like the first time I followed my intuition. I'm um, kind of like, I knew that I had to be with this man. I did, had no clue why, but I just had to be here and I just kind of dove into it. I didn't know what polyamory was. I didn't know any of it. So I kind of learned
0: as I went. So it was fun. It was a fun ride. I uh, I just wrote a blog post yesterday that went live that was very similar to what you just said.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes we think we're happy and then this veil falls or something something enters our awareness that is like this aha moment mm-hmm. where you go, "Oh my god, I've just been going through the motions. Yeah. I've been doing the things and checking the boxes that society's told me is required to be a human." Mm-hmm. And then you wake up one day and you're like, holy fuck, I want more. And you realize that there's someone that might be better suited for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't take relationship lightly, especially if you have kids like that adds additional complexity. You two have not have kids together, but Christina's helped raise your kids, Tony. And they were a part of all of this and, and they have seen you guys in your relationships and how that's. I don't know, grown over the years. But mm-hmm. um, I do think that we we are allowed to ask for more. We are allowed to have everything we want. And those relationships of the people closest to us, they watch us. They know if we're happy or not, and they want to see us happy. Our kids want to see us blissed out. Our kids want to see examples of what healthy, beautiful relationship is mm-hmm. And if we're not showing that to them, how can we expect them to be, to be happy in their own relationships as they get older? I've been really careful to say partnerships mm-hmm. these days with my kids. I've been trying not to indoctrinate them and brainwash them into thinking they have to be married or say they're wives. I have two boys. Mm-hmm. So I'll just say, you know, your future partners, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for sharing that story, Christina. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so people that are listening, if you have gotten this far and you're like, "Hmm, I'm still interested, I think I want to delve into this a little bit. But I'm, I feel like it could be a lot. Like, I feel like this could be heavy. It could be complex. How do you manage all these relationships and all these humans? So I think this would be a good segue into like how this can be hard how it can be beautiful. Um, I know the three of us in our friend group really believe that the future is living in community and living in communal relationship with each other. Um, And so I think it'd be fun to delve into that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Um, And it's funny. We talked a little bit before we started the podcast that um, what I wished I had had most before entering into a polyamorous trio was (laughs) A little bit of coaching of how difficult it can be because on the surface, especially as a very sexual person, it's like, oh, this is great. Three people in the bed every night. Um, (laughs) And especially like and then all of your guys, your, your guy friends are like, dude, you get to have a threesome every night. That's so awesome. And it's like and then you get there. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. This is a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of work. Yeah. And the world is still built for two-person coupling. Yeah. Like, the world and society is built around couples. It's Valentine's Day couples massage. Mm -hmm. It's the romantic carriage ride around the square has two seats. Uh, I mean, it's almost everything built for romanticism mm-hmm. is built and structured for two people. Mm-hmm. So when you show up as a trio, I mean, not only do you have societal stuff that just it, it there's like friction because you have to figure out how to make it work. Um, and there's so much of that that shows up in, in the polyamorous world where you just, it feels like you're constantly fighting this uphill battle of figuring out how to make everybody feel special and equal and loved and cared for when there's so much of the society is built around couples for two. Um, And then there's the layer of telling your family, which is like, that's in our experience. That's where all of our potential relationships have come to an end. It's somebody meets us and they're like, Oh, polyamory sounds interesting. And then you're like, you hear the the typical comments. I've always wanted to try a threesome and like <laughs> all of this stuff. And it seems like super new and exciting. And and then they're like, oh, wait, like what what do we do on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Like, how do I tell my grandma that I'm dating <laughs> a couple? So so and then you start seeing all of these like reality things come in and it starts to get really hard for people. And we've had a lot of potential relationships that start out really well in last two or three months. And then they're like, my mom found out or my brother gave me a hard time because he was teasing me. And there's these things start to happen and then people start to drift away. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's pretty common. Um, And it may just be because um, I feel like there's a pretty good polyamorous community where we live. But I don't think there's a lot of people that are open about it. Mm -mm. And I think there's still a lot of like still navigating, trying to find our people that are open. And they're like, this is who I am. And I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what my boss thinks. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. And that's, what's been interesting is like finding our people Mm -hmm. so that like, at least that aspect of like, it's not, not always coaching people into the lifestyle is yeah. that's that takes out finding the majority of that. the work finding community in it
0: so let me jump in here real quick and say i was really lucky when i decided to take the step into open relationship that i had Christine and tony to help me and so i'll make sure to and add some links into the show notes of what community could look like for you and where they might be because i found living here in northwest arkansas you're right a lot of people work for walmart or they work for suppliers mm-hmm. and they're they're guarded about their lifestyle but once you get into the lifestyle then you realize there's a lot of us here yeah, there's totally. like 600 people on one facebook group that <laughs> i'm in like there's yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds And then once you get into the lifestyle, it's kind of like the Vegas rule. Like Mm -hmm. what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in the lifestyle stays in the lifestyle. You don't go tell your buddies at work. Like you just, you're really respectful or you get shunned by the community, which is not fun, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. So um, so we'll help you with maybe, you know, a couple links to get you started of where you can find this community Mm -hmm. and then know that once you're in it, It's close and it's tight and they help each other and they're very careful. You know, I was very, very impressed with how even with each sexual experience that I had, that my partners were all very mindful and very careful that all of us had multiple partners Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to protect each other and this was even happening during COVID you know Mm -hmm. so we were extra careful with how we felt that day and making sure we didn't feel sick and Mm -hmm. being very vocal about hey I kind of have a a, you know stuffy nose today do you still want to connect tonight Mm because I don't want to you know so I love that about the community
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah yeah
2: I mean I think you spoke on some of the negatives but there's definitely I think you touched on it earlier um like the community aspect like you get a whole other person to share your life with so that's like more love uh, more help if you have children like more help cooking more help doing chores like it multiplies in every way possible so not just the negative definitely the positive um you get another best friend it's it's really amazing when you start diving into it like what how much positive you can get from an experience like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can remember one of the first times it was very eye-opening for me. Um I got sick and mm-hmm. the three of us were living in in the same house and it was like One of them was like sitting by me, caressing and like with a cold washcloth on my forehead and like caring for me. And the other one was still able to go like cook dinner and like help with my kids and do household chores. And it was like to be supported by two people when you don't feel well is I mean, there's it's really amazing what people can accomplish when you. Not only when you find like a really strong partnership that's actually loving and positive, but when you bring in three and four and five people into a tribe Mm -hmm. and everybody is collectively pulling their resources and working towards a common goal, some pretty fucking amazing things can happen.
0: So I think that leads us into mm. some positives mm. and also what it could look like in real life. So our experiences have in being open have been very different. You guys are uh, much sl- slower uh, than me we'll talk about my rapid rapid <laughs> rapid rapid pace um, and what that looked like and then let's also talk a little bit more you've already kind of spilled the beans but you know in a poly relationship like what you guys have had um, at one point you talked about being married and then you two met at work mm-hmm. and then you've just said the three of you live together so maybe elaborate on what being in a poly relationship can look like when you live with someone and then And that's not happening anymore. So maybe what does that look like for you today?
1: Yeah. um, So the story of where we started is not what I would recommend for others. We, like I said, I was falling in love with Chris at work. Mm -hmm. I was in a marriage where we didn't have polyamory commitments or boundaries. And I wasn't supposed to be falling in love with somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I did. And then there was about nine months of pure hell for all three of us. Mm -hmm. We were, it was ugly because I didn't like my ex wife Jennifer was not okay with what was happening with Chris and I. Chris was trying to figure out what was going to happen with her committed relationship and her feeling the way she felt for me, there was definitely some things that we were doing that was not exactly ethical. Um, even though I had the agreement of we wouldn't be monogamous, there was just, there was definitely still some stuff that was, I wasn't being a hundred percent truthful with, with my wife. Um, Because And then there was, like, leaving and going and being with Chris and then leaving Chris and going back. And I was in love with two people, and it was like being ripped in half. And without any education on polyamory at all, (laughs) my wife Jennifer was like, you know what? I don't want half of you when you're here. I wonder what it would look like if Chris just moved in with us. And we skipped – All of the education. We skipped all of the dating. We skipped all of everything that you really need to do before you enter into a polyamorous relationship. And Chris moved in with us and we lived together for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And we learned so much. Mm -hmm. We learned so much about what a relationship can be. We learned about how insecurities can pop up when other people are in the same room and if the communication and the trust isn't there, things can start to go down a pretty rocky path. And being honest and talking about your feelings and standing up for what you want and your needs um, is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Because in our in our experience, my wife was feeling a lot of insecurities and she wasn't truly happy, but she was making sacrifices so that I would be there. Mm-hmm. And you know while i loved her we didn't have a great solid foundation we fought a lot and it just and then in comes chris which is like my soulmate who like it, it's just like sickening to other people around us they're just like you two stop it because we're just like great together um and that really was difficult for for jennifer because our our relationship wasn't the best And a year and a half later, she gave us an ultimatum to, for me to tell Chris to leave and for us to go back to a swinging relationship, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't interested in. Um, and it took a few days to work through what was going to happen, but Chris and I left and then we've been doing open polyamory for about, gosh, it's been seven years since the split, maybe six and a half. Cause we've been together just almost nine years together, Mm um, with all of it included, so so we've been doing it for a while. Um, and yeah, there's been a lot of great relationships, and we're learning to take our time and enter into these things gently <clears throat> and make sure that everybody is truly comfortable and make sure that everybody's needs are met. Um, and we kind of start there, so.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing your story because mm. it's such a neat thing to kind of like peek behind the 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 sheet, you know, mm. and like metaphorically and get to kind of see how beautiful it can be as a long-term lifestyle. So, what I experienced and what I just kind of head first dove into was open relationship in November. So, a lot of you follow my story and if you don't, then I'll tell it real quickly, but um About one year ago, the veil was dropped from my eyes, and I just woke up one day and realized that this perfect, amazing marriage that I was in was really actually lacking. My friends had been telling me for years, like, Jen, don't you want to have a deep communicative relationship? And, like, don't you want to have sex in more than one position? Like, don't you want more than that? And I would be like, what you guys have is just super special. Like, that's not normal to have all this amazingness all the time. And so a year ago, I realized, you know, fuck, I do want that. I do want to be held in that way. And I do want all of my needs met. And I do not any longer want to feel like I'm settling. So I found an amazing um, poly open I don't know what you would call her, but she's an amazing therapist that has no judgment and is super woo and amazing. And so she helped me work through all of this. She helped me get really clear about what I wanted and then helped me formulate a plan to talk to my husband and ask for my needs to be met. And then when he denied and said, Nope, not willing to do these things that you want me to do, then he she helped me find the words to talk to him about what opening our relationship might be. Mm -hmm. I'm like I love you. I want to be with you, but I have these needs. And if you're not willing to meet them, are you at least willing to let me get them met by someone else? And he said, yes. So in November, we opened up our relationship and I freaking dove head in y'all. I got on Tinder. Within a week, I had a date. We went and had sushi, and like immediately, y'all, I was like vibrating across the table with him. There was so much sexual tension; we could have just done each other like right in the middle of the restaurant. It was insane. And then he went out and walked me to my car and made out with me, and I was like a puddle. That was my first touching of a man other than my husband Mm -hmm. in. Eight years, eight, nine years, like I'd never touched another human, looked at another human. Like I was completely, totally dedicated 100% to Derek and didn't need to look anywhere else. And so all of a sudden, this new guy drops in my life and I'm just like, oh. And then I think that that was on a Wednesday. By Friday, I had my first sex date. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went nonstop. She sure did. Like every night – Sometimes in the middle of the lunch break, mm-hmm. like I have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of sex. Yeah. And it was fucking amazing. Yeah. And it was interesting too, as my friends watched me expand. Like all of a sudden, my heart was just burst open. My needs were taken care of. Mm-hmm. I was like overflowing with joy and just that feeling of like, finally. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of, like, getting drips from, like, this, like, faucet that was, like, you know, those faucets that just drip and it's annoying? <laughs> like, I feel like for so many years I was just getting little drips of, like, satiation. And now all of a sudden it was, like, this flood. I was, like, being waterboarded by, <laughs> <laughs> by like, all the orgasms and all the sex. It was amazing. Well, the third person that I started dating uh, is now my committed partner. So that's when I met Scott. Mm -hmm. And he lovingly hung with me through all the other guys that I hung out with. Mm -hmm. And it was about December, so maybe a month into our relationship, month and a half. He was like... Jen, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I thought I was cool with you being open, yeah. but like you talk about it mm-hmm. a lot and you talk to me about the guys that you've been with. And and I just thought that was normal in open relationships. Like everyone should be cool with all of it, right? So I just told way too much. Uh, that was a side note. You probably <laughs> don't want to do that. <clears throat> and so Scott was like, I-, "I I don't know that I'm comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe like, turn off Tinder and stop finding new guys and just stick with what you have for a while. So like, there's not more coming in the hopper. And I was like, I can commit to that. Sure. So I continued to see other people continued to see, to see him. And then by mid February, we had the talk Mm -hmm. that was like, I'm falling for you. And he's like, I'm falling for you. And at that point, my marriage had dissolved. I had gotten divorced and we committed to being exclusive And so now he's moving in this week. So that's my fast paced Mm -hmm. overview of what an open lifestyle could look like. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily, you know, poly and committed and Mm long-term that can meet immediate needs or meet you Mm long-term. Like if you want that. Um, And so for us in this season of our relationship, we're committed and we're monogamous and who knows what that will look like in the future. But for now, that's how we are. Mm -hmm. And that's, and we feel really good about that. Mm
1: -hmm. So beautiful. Thank you. It's been such a joy to watch you go through your transformation. Yeah. Just to be here to witness your, just the whole thing and seeing you so happy. Yeah. It's been awesome.
0: Thanks for holding space for me during all of this. And they were so cute. They'd be like, oh, tell us your story or what's your latest story? What's the latest (laughs) update? What happened? And so there was always something really fun to talk about, which Mm -hmm. there still is. It's just not, you know, different guys every night, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Mm -hmm. So I want to circle back to that. If you just heard me say that and you're feeling judgment, Mm we are allowed to be sexually fulfilled. Mm -hmm. We're allowed to be emotionally fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I had this big void in my life of emotional connection with my husband and my friends kept telling me I deserved to have deep communication and connection with my partner, Mm -hmm. that that's normal. And if you're not experiencing that, Maybe now's a good time to kind of look into your life to have those conversations with your partners. Are you willing to show up for me in a different way that's not just talking about kids and what's for dinner and did you take the trash out? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to talk about freaking aliens and the solar system (laughs) and like, what's, let's like, where are we going to meet in our next life? Like, I want to go deep, Mm -hmm. right? Y'all are the same way. Mm -hmm. All right. So. Mm Where should we take this podcast from here? What do you guys think?
1: Mm. Goodness. There's so many different, like I was <laughs> saying before, but like, gosh, there's so many different things that we could talk about. Yeah. Um,
0: so maybe we keep this at a 101 level because yeah, this was a lot for people to digest mm-hmm. the first time we mm-hmm. talked. So like, let's do an overview. We talked about what is an open relationship. Mm-hmm. We talked about, that there's traditional monogamy and then there's different open relationships like swingers and polyamory and then polyamory can look like, you know, a closed throuple or it could be open dating season, which yeah. is what I was doing. It's like open season. <laughs> yeah. Go for it, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about the negatives to being in an open relationship. How you have to tell Mima at Christmas yeah. Yeah. who your third is, who your yeah. thruple person is that came to come have thanks, you know, Christmas dinner. Exactly. Yeah. And then we talked about the positives. How there's enough love in your heart for more than one human. There's that one thing. Side note: I have noticed mm-hmm. a couple things. Mm-hmm. One, your capacity and ability to hold more expands when you add more people in your life. Mm-hmm. You realize I can hold more than one partner. I can hold 10 partners, mm-hmm. and I can remember all their names and all their stories and what happened at the last time we met up. Yeah. That you're physically able to hold more space. Mm-hmm when you say yes to something like this. Mm-hmm. The other side note I had was I cannot believe how body positivity this whole practice is. Uh-huh. Like the men that would look at me like I was some kind of goddess when I was naked, I'm like, I don't know what you're looking at. I've had two yes. kids, but like, Lordy, you, you just you begin mm-hmm. to see yourself through other people's eyes in a way that mm-hmm. being in a monogamous relationship with your one partner is just different, right? Yeah. You wanna well, talk about that? and you
1: kinda have to get comfortable with your body if you're naked in front of multiple people. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's kind of part of the territory is um it does shine a light on a lot of internal stuff, which is, you know, I mean that's that's just one of the cool parts of about ethical non monogamy to me is that you just it it's like doing deep work. Yeah. Because you have to get really secure in your own body. You have to get really secure in your own mind because you are gonna face those like frictions in society mm-hmm. and and internally. And So that's just a really cool part about it for me because I I love to help people like become the most optimal version of themselves. So, you know, this is like you kind of get forced into some of those things.
0: Yeah. You learn how to clearly communicate your needs and to ask for your partners, you know, to ask for feedback from them. Yeah, all of that is super fun. Yeah. You just mentioned something I think we should talk about really quickly before we end this podcast, and that's ethical – Non-monogamy. Mm. Do you want to talk a bit on that?
1: Yeah, I just, um, yeah, it's a great topic because a lot of people, we, I, I'm, I, I just classified, yeah. I stereotyped a lot by saying a lot of people. Let me back up. We have encountered several people that will take advantage of polyamory mm-hmm. to get their needs met in an unethical way, mm-hmm. lying about what their situation is. Um, so so we only have a few rules. We try to keep it safe whenever we're with other people. Um, and we do not partner with somebody that's cheating on somebody. So, because that is what we run into a lot. Um, and ethical non-monogamy can look like a lot of things. If, if it's the agreement between The people that are involved so let's say there's a partnership and somebody is has been in the long the long-term committed monogamous relationship and they're starting to realize that their needs aren't getting met and they are wanting to dip their toes into the lifestyle Mm -hmm. and they want to try something but maybe as you mentioned earlier they don't want to hear what like about your sex swing and all of the things that's happening with your other partner. That's introducing you to all of this, you know, really fun and exciting things. Yeah. So maybe they're just not comfortable yet with hearing about what's happening. So maybe you make the agreement of, Hey, you can go do this, these things with these other people, but I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. That's still ethical non-monogamy because there's that agreement. So ethical non-monogamy to me, just means that you're not lying to your partner about what you're doing. Everything has been discussed. Everything has been you've made agreements Mm -hmm. and that everybody involved is okay with what's happening.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. And Chris, I'm sorry, did you have anything to add?
2: Um, I was just going to add, he touched on it like ethical non-monogamy but just a relationship in general cannot work if you're not honest. Mm -hmm. Like the only reason we've been able to Go as strong as we have, have such an amazing relationship is because we have been honest and we've had to tell things we did not want to say, um, but needed to be said. That, if you have a good base with that, you can definitely succeed or whatever you want to call it in your relationship, whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, this part of the conversation is one of my favorites. Um, if you don't follow me already, I would maybe because I'm going to delve into more of this. Like what what can these conversations look like? Um, I'll talk about some of the experiences that I had when even on Tinder. I was surprised at how many men were willing to tell me, I can't afford a divorce or I don't like my wife or I just don't want her to know. So I am I am cheating. Like they would tell me and I Mm -hmm. would just say, nope, I don't do that. You have to go get permission from your wife first. You need to go have a conversation with her. I have a really good therapist if you need one. Mm -hmm. And so I would send them to my therapist Um, because we're not here to do work for other people. And mm-hmm. you have to decide if that's in alignment for you or not. But I know for the three of us, that was a really hard no. Mm-hmm. Um, we want people in our lives that are willing to do the hard work.
2: And mm-hmm. sometimes
0: the hard work is telling your partner, hey, the relationship that I'm in is not working for me. You know, can we can we renegotiate terms? I used that term terminology a lot last fall. We're mm-hmm. renegotiating our relationship. Mm-hmm. And at any time, we're allowed to renegotiate the terms of our relationship. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Mm. I feel like this is probably a good stopping point for now so this was our Open Relationships 101 podcast Um, we will be back Mm. we have a lot more to talk about on this topic Um, we would also love to hear your questions Uh, you can always DM me on any of my social channels Uh, Christina actually helps me with my social so she'll see them too And we'll either put him on a new podcast, we'll answer him through a social post, we'll DM you back. Um, but I think this conversation is important. And Tony, you mentioned a few times, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't have any models or examples of how to do this. And I wished I did. Mm-hmm. So, the three of us are stepping up. We're being bold. We're having these conversations, and we're putting them out there for everybody to listen to because more people need to to do this. We'd love to have models. Hey, if you're doing relationship in a different way than what we've talked about today, let us know. Maybe there's something we don't know about that we're interested in that w- that we think um you know needs to bubble to the surface and be communicated on.
2: Mm.
1: Yes,
0: yeah. Anything else to add? Nope. (laughs) Tony looked like he wanted to say something. So
1: we'll save that for the next one when we're officially offering coaching in this. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, for both of us. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, Tony and Christina, for being on today's podcast. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Bye.